We're wall to wall. This is awesome. It really is. We can give God praise for that. That's great. And this is really an answer to prayer. And the, and the wonderful thing is that more space is being made available. And uh, we're going to be opening up the historic sanctuary March 1st. We're going to do a reveal. You know how they do on some of these shows? We're going to do a reveal on the 25th of uh, February. That's a Wednesday night. And then on the 1st will be our first uh, Sunday opening that back up. And so uh, we're excited. But that's not all that's happening. I mean, we've got a student ministry. Our youth ministry wing is, uh, has been relocated. It's in what used to be the reef, and it's going to be jam up. Uh, we've got later in the spring, um, I mean, there's a wow factor to our children's ministry wing. Our iKids is going to be where the youth were, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And God is uh, continuing to add his blessings to what you're doing uh, through this church. And so let's get ready for what he has for us and for the people that we've yet to meet that you're going to encourage to be a part. I want to read our scripture and uh, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34. And, um, and I'm going to go to that on my, on my iPad real quick because I think I'll read it better from there. Here we go. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you, not much more valuable, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field and how they grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given, given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We, we've been moving through a, a powerful series. There's just been a, a great response uh, to struggling. And, and I think part of the reason is all of us have in common struggles 
in our human experience. It's part of life. And we have delved into some tough ones, uh, dealing with inconsistency and wanting to build in faithfulness in our lives and, and disappointment and, and moving through the grief of disappointment, moving on from disappointment, seeing how God can use disappointment. We've looked at our own apathy and our own lack of passion when we talked about indifference. And we've asked God to give us a passion, a hunger for, for him and a compassion to really care for others. And last week was one of the most difficult sermons I probably have ever preached on addiction and how we have a weakness, all of us, and we've made idols of things. And yet the promise for us is that God provides a way out. Now, next week, in fact, Ben, you got a minute. Would you hold that sign up? Susan Haney does a great job with our altar here, and I want you to hold that up. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Hold it up high. Yeah. Good job, Ben. Thanks, man. Just be careful. Um, that's the fruit of the Spirit out of uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And how that fruit, you, how long can you hold it? You go ahead and put it down. It's fine. Good job. Let's give Ben a hand. All right. Those are the fruits that are being developed in us. Now, one of those we have not covered, we're going to be covering next week. You ready for this? Patience. Tell the person next to you, that one's for you. <laughs> and so I, be in place because that's a struggle for all of us. But today is anxiety. Anybody ever struggled with anxiety? I'll be the first to raise my hand. All right, good. We're in this together. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we really are in this together. That as pilgrims, we don't journey alone. We have your spirit, and we have those that struggle along with us. And so be with us in this message as you've already been a part of this worship experience, and teach us, teach us how to trust in you. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things about these struggles is we recognize that it's something we navigate through. We're not stuck. The verb or the participle implies a movement some momentum. And we know that in the Christian life, we're either going one way or the other. And I want to suggest to you, by the very fact that you're here today, you're moving forward. And that's a good thing. And anxiety is a very, very difficult thing. I mean, it is chronicled in the Old Testament. It's chronicled in the New Testament that uh, followers of God contended with it. Um, and, and it's a part of the human experience. And I want to suggest to you that we live with some anxiety inducers, if you would. One of those is people. People are imperfect, aren't they? They're unpredictable. And when we're in relationship, whether it's with family 
or co-workers or neighbors or community leaders, there can be some anxiety. And so people help to induce that in our lives. And we may induce that on others, I would suggest to you. And then there is the pace of our lives. That helps to feed anxiety. We, we live our lives in many ways like it's one big emergency. And so this harried pace of trying to get to the next point or the next destination while missing some things on the way. And, and then there are problems. I mean, some of these we brought on ourselves. Some have inflicted, uh, they've been inflicted by others on us. And some of them are just beyond anybody's control. But they are circumstances. Some of those circumstances can be problematic. And so with that comes a symptom of anxiety. You know, maybe it's financial for you, and some bills are coming due. The bank is going to call the note, and that creates some fear, some worry. Maybe it's something internal. Maybe it's not external. Maybe it's superimposed pressure we put on ourselves. And those of us who are recovering perfectionistic people can struggle with that. Because when you're perfectionistic, oftentimes anxiety is with that. And then there are pains. Yeah, I think about how we know there's you know, post-traumatic syndrome issues for a military person who watches someone else maybe become wounded in a theater of war, or maybe they, they hear something, they see something, and when that same event seems emulated, it can bring on paralyzing anxiety. And as followers of Jesus, I think it's important for us, for those who have a chronic issue, with anxiety to be compassionate. Some may struggle with a panic disorder in this place. And, and one of the things about panic disorder is it's invisible. It's an invisible disability. It's a lot like depression. Depression is very real, but, but you don't see the marks of it on the body. Uh, a depressed person may not run a temperature per se, but it's, it's, it's authentic, it's genuine, it, it's a disease. And so I think we have to be careful sometimes when we talk about anxiety because it may be a brain chemistry issue. And, and I'm going to talk about some ways in which all of us can benefit uh, from some helpful things in a toolbox to manage anxiety. But I, I want to say that up front. I, I have a family member that struggles with a panic disorder. And God has really helped me to be more understanding. Now, 
for the rest of us, I, I think we struggle with making worry a way of, of life. It may not be so much nature, although I believe some of it is by our fallenness. But for many of us, it's something that maybe we, we've chosen to have dominion over us, to master us a little bit like I talked about last week. And, and we look through lenses and it becomes a, a way of life. Some of us have postgraduate degrees from the University of Anxiety. Uh, some of us have been schooled or come from a long line of warriors. My mom was the designated warrior. You know how you have a designated driver? She was the designated warrior in our family. And so dad and I didn't really have much work to do in that category because she took it for us. And if there wasn't something to worry about, she'd find it. She was amazing. And so some of us have been trained and it's become part of the nurturing of, of who we are and the worldview that we have. Kind of like uh, the tale of the two mothers, the, you know, we get an angle on worry. We want to find that angle. The, the mother of the teenager bemoaned, my daughter doesn't tell me anything, and it makes me a nervous wreck. And the mother sitting next to her said, my daughter tells me everything, and it makes me a nervous wreck. We'll find that angle. And if there's something to be worried about, we're pretty good at locating it. And maybe that's why Jesus addressed it head on. On the Sermon on the Mount, he knew the listeners well. And those that were listening were very de dependent on creation in the sense that when he was talking about, do not worry about your clothing, do not worry about your substance, your food. He was talking to people that trusted that the Nile would flood in a certain way seasonally to provide crops. And the agricultural world that he was speaking to was very, very delicate. And so most folks couldn't think beyond that. We think beyond that in most cases, but they couldn't think beyond that. And, and so he spoke to their fear. He spoke to their worry, their anxiety head on. And he said, look, let's talk about creation. And, and he, he said, consider the birds of the air. They're, they neither toil nor spin, but your father cares for them. And look at, the, he does a botany lesson for us. Look at the lily of the field. In all of its beauty, it's adorned greater than Solomon. And yet, it neither worries nor frets. And then he uses some Hebrew rhetoric. It's a form of argument. And it's, it's called the more than argument. And it's this. Now, given that this part of creation is cared for, by your heavenly father. Surely your heavenly father who considers you the capstone of creation will care for you even more. And so he speaks to anxiety. He speaks to our struggle of not feeling as though we're in control 
and a need for him to be in control. There's some things about anxiety that I want us to highlight today, and one is worry is unreasonable. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, Jesus says, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is saying that much more than food and clothing, there are other things to concern yourself. God will speak to those. If you're going to worry about something, make sure it's something that really matters. Worry can become magnified, can't it? It's, it's, it's illogical. It's very emotional. And it's irrational. And I don't know about you, but I can take something very, very small, maybe a comment someone makes, and I can put it under the microscope, and I can diagnose it. And what happens is it becomes magnified. And I think, okay, now that person feels that way. Maybe there's somebody else. And then, not long from that, I'm thinking, they're all against me. <laughs> and so we tend to, to allow worry unnecessarily to be magnified. It's not natural. He's saying when he uses these images and word pictures out of creation, look, the birds, the lilies, they're not concerned, and yet they're part of the natural order. Surely... God will take care of you. Isn't it interesting that he's saying all of creation seems not to struggle with anxiety except one part. The only one thing in God's creation that worries is human beings. And so... It's illogical. It, it doesn't make sense. It's unnecessary. Listen to this. A survey was done. I'm not exactly sure how they did it, but they said this. Regretting things down the road. Worrying about the future. Having anxiety about events that have yet to come. They did a survey and they tracked what people were concerned about and did these things actually come into fruition. 40% of the things that we worry about, the survey shows, never happens. 40%. 30% regard unchangeable deeds of the past. And so 40% never happen. 30%, you can't do anything about it. It's already happened. 12% focus on the opinions of others that cannot be controlled. 10% center on personal health, which only worsens when we worry. 8% concern real problems where you can have an influence, where you can make a difference. And so 92% of what we worry about it's beyond our control. Now, match that up with the amount of emotion and time you put into, I put into fretting over things. And it's an issue of control. 
It's an issue of control. One theologian said it's unconscious blasphemy because we feel as though we can manipulate the situation or at least we think about it and that makes us feel better and so we grab control and yet the scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Cast. Project onto. Now, when there are clinical issues for this family member that struggles with chronic anxiety, her therapist says a couple of things which I think is true. And I want to say this, that all truth is God's truth. This is a secular therapist. But what she's saying is true. She has a toolbox. And out of the toolbox are a couple of things. One is medication. Medication is an okay thing for chronic panic disorder, anxiety. And she said, you know, you wouldn't begrudge someone that was taking regulatory medicine for blood pressure. Why do you do it for someone that has a brain chemistry issue? Exercise. There is really something to that. I mean, I am better when I exercise. Those endorphins really do sound off and, and silence a little bit of the anxiety. And, and relaxing and rest. Because you see, when you rest, that means you are relinquishing control. You're not playing God anymore. And you're trusting. And then finally, counseling. Having a depository. Having something that you can, or someone that you can entrust issues with. And it's good when it's somebody that's moved through that. And see, that's all wonderful because that's a clinical approach with good tools to use. But the wonderful thing for us in Christ today as followers of Jesus is that we have a whole spiritual realm to help us in our fear, in our worry, in our anxiety. And let's look at a couple of these because I think they are pertinent as we come to the table. And as we share in communion together. And first is where this scripture climaxes. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. The passage here is addressing once we entrust to God. First place. He has promised that things will fall into place ultimately that he can be trusted. And so placing God first in all things is important. Secondly, live in the present. A woman in our church who I care so much about and she walks closely with God. She came up to me after the first of the year and she said, Tim, I want to pray for you. How can I pray for you? I named off a couple of things. And she said, I tell you what, I'll pray for those things, but I'm going to pray that you'll live in the moment. That you'll be 100% wherever you are, present. 
Now, why, why would she say that? Well, I think she's read the scriptures too. And she understands that Jesus is saying, don't open your umbrella before it starts to rain. Don't start worrying before you get there. Don't cross the bridge until you get there. I like that quote. Every week there are two days you should never worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. And, and you know the thing is, when I live in the moment, when I am 100% present, I rob worry. Anxiety leaves me. In worrying about tomorrow and tomorrow's problems, I, I will miss today's blessing. And, and you cannot solve tomorrow's problems with the resources you have today. Now, what do I mean by that? There was a fellow in Albany, Georgia. That's where we say it, Albany. And uh, I was serving there, and he was a great man, and and yet he struggled with an infirmity. His neck had given him problems. His, his uh, vertebrae had, had just hassled him all of his life. And they said, you know what, Ed? We're going to have to put you in a head halo. Now, if you know what that is, that's a, a system of bars that they literally drill into your forehead. And, and it sits on your shoulder and it immobilizes your neck, uh, and it, it just really, in some ways, paralyzes the level of activity that you can have. Not to mention the pain. And he had to wear it for six months. And as a pastor, I said, I went very encouraging with my question, I said, how are you going to do this for six months? Wasn't very pastoral, was it? <laughs> and he said, I can't do it for six months. I can't do it for six months. I can do it for today. And he said, I prayed early this morning that God would give me the strength that I needed and the resources I needed for today. And Tim, I'm going to go to bed tonight. And when I rise up in the morning, I am going to pray that exact same prayer for tomorrow. So Ed understood that you cannot face tomorrow's fears with simply the resources that you have today. And so don't be obsessed with tomorrow. And then finally, prayer. The scripture we know, many of us know well, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Anything. Paul, I wish you had said, do not be anxious about something. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer... And, and supplication, making your request known to God. In other words, trade your worry in for prayer. And there is something mystical that happens. That when we articulate our anxiety and our fear and our worry in the midst of our prayer, the Holy Spirit begins to, to work with us and frees us. 
and we begin to relinquish that which holds us hostage. And then he goes on to say, don't worry. Pray about everything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, doesn't make sense to the world. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I need to tell you, folks, that's powerful stuff because what that's saying is that God stands, the Holy Spirit stands as a garrison in front of my heart and my mind. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And He imparts that to me and to you. So today, in your struggle with anxiety, and my struggle with anxiety, we have a sacred table that reminds us and points us to the cross. And Jesus says, bring your fears, bring your anxiety, bring your worries. Cast your cares upon me. I care about the situations that you're worried about far more than you are, so why don't you let me Take that from you. And so as you receive these elements, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, I want you to give something over to the Lord. Whatever it is that has burdened you. Whatever it is that you have no control over but has possessed you. I encourage you to give that up and trust a God who can be trusted. I'm going to call on Anthony as he leads us. And as he comes, there is no stranger here. All are welcome at this table.